Welcome to Cannabis Unraveled, the show where we're taking an inside look to the most relevant topics at the intersection of cannabis, science, and culture, featuring authentic perspectives from experts and enthusiasts across all aspects of the planet. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cannabis Unraveled. I'm your host, Jesse Cater. And this week, we got a great guest, Harald Hahn, the co-founder of Vertosa and their chief scientific officer. And we're talking today about cannabis formulations, which come a long way in the last decade, uh, specifically some of the technologies and science behind some of the cannabis formulations that impacts all aspects of the formulations we know and love, things like beverages, edibles like gummies, and, and some of the science and technology behind these platforms. So Without further ado, Harold, welcome to the podcast. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you got into cannabis? Thank you, Jesse, for inviting me to the show. Yeah, I'm feeling fortunate every day, uh, putting my skill set into this industry. So I am a emotion chemist by training. My whole career has been looking at how to design emulsifiers and then how to design stable emotions. After graduated from uh, NYU in a PhD in the emotion science. I came to the West Coast. Uh, I worked for a company called BioRed. And in BioRed, uh, it's my first job. I stayed there for seven years. They were developing a, a kind of a revolutionary tool called digital droplet PCR. They use emotion technology to detect DNA and RNA in absolute number. I've been there for seven years, you know, developing this emulsification oil for the system. And uh, I was introduced to cannabis while I was working for BioRed. And uh, <laughs> I had my own journey from a, a daughter of this plant to a believer, right? So we can dig into that. But, you know, the cannabis plant essentially convinced me of the necessity, the, the potential benefit of the plant to the society. And, you know, I, I want to find a way to contribute to the industry. And many advisors a long time ago said, you know, if you focus on turning oil into water-compatible ingredients, that will be a huge need for the industry to grow upon. So um, that's that's how Vertosa essentially gets started. Excellent. How long has Vertosa been around? What kind of products and services do you guys offer? And who, who do you guys, what type of customers are you guys working with today? So we have been in the business for over five years. Our HQ is in Berkeley, California. You know, we focus on turning cannabinoids inputs into a water-compatible ingredients that are palatable, stable, and scalable. So over the five years, we have worked with you know, many clients in terms of um, beverages, gummies, um, but our main focus is in the beverage sector, working with many clients, uh, not only in the states of California, but across uh, to Canada and over in the 15 other states here. So we have learned a lot, right, over the five years. And the emotion science is a constant solving issues, finding issues, and, uh, you know, improving for the whole industry. So we can dig into, you know, the, the knowledge we have gained those five years, but it's quite interesting. Awesome. So when I, you know, when you think about cannabis formulations and you mentioned cannabis beverages, a lot has changed in the last 10 years, right? Uh, first of all, beverages as a category, um, at least as they are today, it wasn't really even a category five or even 10, certainly 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago. When we think about traditional edibles, right, the, the thought that comes to mind are, you know, 
people baking brownies at home. A lot of people who've been consuming cannabis for a long time have what at the time was probably a very unpleasant story. It turns into a funny story over time about someone over-consuming or having an experience where they consume too much accidentally. And so there was a lot to be desired, right, about the original state of cannabis edibles to where we have today. So talk a little bit. We talk about a lot of the formulations technology, like emulsions we have today. What was wrong? Like, what were some of the problems with, like, the original state of edibles that we were trying to solve for with these uh, formulation technologies? Yeah. So you mentioned a big piece, which is the experience, right? Especially the onset. But I think onset is part of the experience. The quicker onset will allow consumers to gauge themselves, right? Don't overdose and have an enjoyable ex- uh, experience. But, you know, uh, from the onset, I think the goal is to make the whole experience enjoyable and repeatable and consistent. And to, to achieve to that, onset is a big part. But how is the ramp? Where is the peak? And how long the peak lasts, right? How is this overall experience to consumer? And then when we talk about repeatable, that is where how, can you scale this to a larger scale and make sure every piece have the same potency. One of the concerns with using distillate into gummy, for example, is when you take individual gummies and when you do potency upon them, you may see a zigzag on the potency, right? And you may still have a potency hotspot, you know, in a very uh, local level. Uh, but using emotion, we can, uh, th- that line, individual gummy is very smooth, meaning, you know, the potency variation is very minimal. And then it's risk, uh, getting to us, we put a layer of emulsifier on the droplets. So that not only make it water compatible, so it can infuse cannabis into beverages and gummies, but also made it you know, very homogeneous and quick onset. So those three features actually come together when you split the droplet smaller and put a layer of emulsifier. Right. So when you think about that original edible, right? Like a you never knew the dose you were going to get, right? Like, so are you consuming five migs or 500 milligrams in that brownie? So, uh, you know, a complete guess at, at what type of dose you were taking. The onset very long uh, for a lot of individuals uh, could be 90 minutes or longer for that that classic edible. And so, uh, you know, in that long wait for the onset, which is an ideal on its own, uh, a lot of folks guessing, did I take enough? Is it not working? Should I consume more? And then maybe further leading to overindulgence. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, the experience, highly inconsistent for a variety of reasons. And, and finally, then even the formulations piece uh, to our manufacturers, there's a reason it was brownies were easy to make. We know cannabis is fat soluble. You, you dissolve it into the butter and that's an easy way to go. But a lot of our modern formulations, we think about confections, certainly beverages. These are water or aqueous based formulations, you need to be able to get the cannabis into the formulation just to begin with to facilitate these 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 modern products. So to your to your description, emulsions are being used to make the cannabis, to reduce the particle size, to encoat the cannabis, right, with that kind of a, make it more water soluble, maybe a water soluble shell. Uh, you could talk us through that a little bit, but the goal is to be able to formulate it in uh, a water-based formulation, to be able to improve the accuracy of the dosing, and to be able to improve the the time to onset and the consistency of the experience. So talk us through a little bit uh, about the emulsion itself. How should folks not familiar with an emulsion 
there's different terms being used in technologies, but, but in general, the type of emulsion or nano emulsions being used in cannabis, what are we doing to the cannabis to make it water soluble, to make the onset faster? Uh, what type of tools and technologies are being applied here to make this happen? And, what, and how should someone, can someone visualize what this molecule may now look like? Mm, well, I'll try my best. Uh, so imagine you have a jug of dislet. That, and imagine that one kilo of dislet to be one droplet, one huge droplet, right? That's a one big droplet. Now you split this droplet into billions of billions of smaller droplets. Same one kilo of THC, but now in the billions of smaller droplets. And those droplets are coated by a layer of compound called emulsifiers, and which is our... Uh, working to make it the droplets water compatible. So in a simplified term, to produce emulsion, you need to combine chemistry with physics. And chemistry is, you know, th that simplified you know, ratio, the recipe. You know, when you split the droplets, you need carry oil, emulsifier, supporting agent, water, and those are the chemistry comp composition. Well, also you need to know how to split them. Right? You need energy to split droplets into smaller ones. And there are many different ways to, to do that. And what, which way is best for that chemistry? So you combine chemistry, mesh chemistry with physics. Right? Then you can produce a scalable, stable emotion. And then, like I said, the producing of emotion is one action, but this action has three benefits. It made the ingredients water compatible and make it smaller to be faster onset because of the higher surface area produced, right? And also it make it consistent so that, you know, because if you put dislet into the gummy, you stir it up, it's very hard to get every uh, small pieces of oil evenly distributed within the gummy. But now we already distributed this dislet into billions of smaller droplets. So the way you can make the product homogeneous, either in the beverage or gummy, it's much higher chance. And just to add, you know, why, why emotion offer quick onset? Uh, you know, I had a uh, LinkedIn post on this topic. Uh, you can check my, uh, the happychemist.com um, that because our absorption of the THC happens in the small intestines by a vehicle called mixed micelle. So the path from the THC in the gut getting to the mixed micelle those, this is the determining fact of absorption. So from this led to mix myself, it would take a longer time from a emotion to mix myself. That's why emotion essentially cut the path of the THC getting into mix myself. That's why we feel a quicker onset. Right. So I, I remember to, to the time just onset bioavailability, right? Another term you hear a lot when we're talking about emulsions and cannabis formulations and I remember looking at a few different publications that were basically saying with traditional cannabis edibles, the bioavailability or the amount of cannabis you consume that's available uh, to interact with the receptor sites and to, and to have its action was estimated to be less than 20%, right? Why is that? And, uh, and then there are studies showing that with different types of emulsions, the bioavailability is much higher with, with the use of emulsions and other delivery technology and formulations. Can you walk us a little bit through about why that might be? Yeah, the absorption, right? Overall bioavailability. I think it's have a lot to do with how, again, the chance for the THC droplets to be get absorbed. 
in the small intestines? Well, we imagine a big droplets and imagine billions of smaller droplets. The chance of smaller droplets get absorbed through the through the tunnel of your intestines is much higher, right? Because of the surface area and it touch the uh, epithelial cell, right? To get into the mixed mass cell. If it's one droplets, it will take a much longer time. Sometimes it may not even be absorbed totally, right? To the inside the small intestines. So I think that's essentially why the emotion offer a uh, higher bioavailability. And then you also hear when you read about this topic about, you know, this, this concept of second pass metabolism, right? Where typical cannabinoids being fat soluble, right? They're not able to readily absorb in, in the upper GI that they really got to travel to the liver and get converted into by the bile system into uh, things like different metabolites of cannabis, like 11-hydroxy-THC comes to mind, which then is able to be distributed and absorbed. But of course, in that process of traveling all the way to the liver and going through that process of being converted into the metabolites, there's a lot of loss, right? And uh, whereas now you're talking about these small particles, more water-soluble, they're able to be readily absorbed in the upper GI as well with a lot of these formulations, skipping that second pass metabolism and, uh, and being able to have that much higher bioavailability and also uh, time to onset. You know, we also talk about the experience, right? A little bit different experience. I know we were talking about this the other day, but when you take a traditional edible and it's being converted in the liver to some of these metabolites like 11-hydroxy-THC, these, these metabolites have a different interaction with the receptors than than the delta-9 THC itself. And you take an emulsified cannabinoid, what I've read and seen is that you get higher amounts of the delta-9 THC. So can you talk a little bit about maybe the difference in experience uh, that someone might have with uh, a nano-emulsified cannabinoid versus a traditionally consumed cannabinoid? Yeah, it is the liver metabolism indeed create a compound that will change overall how you feel. But I say... Is, is complicated, at least from my lens, to look at some claims saying emotion will help bypass liver. I have seen some data proving that, but not it's not consistent. Uh, I have seen other data proving not a huge bypass of liver from a human study. So we use the P- human PK study, and then we use the 11-hydroxyl generated over the THC amount as that ratio to be as a uh, uh, judging tool, right? If that ratio is high, meaning you have more 11-hydroxyl generated and less THC in the blood. So if that is high, that means you more of the formulation go through the liver. Uh, we use this simple indicator. And like I said, we, we haven't seen so far a consistent proof that emotion will definitely bypass liver. And there are other ways of, you know, routes of administration that will help bypass liver by skin, by mucus system, by other injection method. But orally, I'm personally very interested in oral formulation, either is distillate or emulsion, either is a beverage or gummy. What is the liver bypassing rate? I I think we need more study there. But also, um, we talk about the first pass metabolism. Yes, potentially you can bypass the first pass, but the second pass, the third pass, right? The blood eventually will go back to the liver and uh, gradually things will be turning into TRC 11 hydroxyl over time. So those are the topics that I'm interested in, how we can consistently make uh, the 
emotion feel like? The effect feels consistent. Well, it could be a subject we're chasing uh, infinity because our genetics are different. So it's our liver health, right? Our gut health are, are different. So this is another topic interesting to me is to compare cannabinoids, cannabis beverages to alcohol beverages, right? Because alcohol is ethanol. They are water soluble. And the way that molecule hits the body are different from the THC molecule hits our body. So it it is interesting comparison between alcohol beverages and cannabis beverages, to say the least. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I I think about We've done a lot of a lot of surveys, uh, and being a, a consumer myself who has had a lot of experience with traditional edibles, uh, whether it's a gummy, a tincture, otherwise, or an emulsified or a, a formulation with a fast onset technology. Um, certainly, the onset's faster, but what we get almost universally from very large surveys, sensory surveys, and whatnot, is that the, the feeling or experience is very different. Uh, a lot of people will describe a, a traditional edible. As you know, a uh, for some people there can be more anxiety associated with a, a traditional edible. Uh, not for all, but for some, I, I'm sure tolerance has something to do with that. But also, it can be a little bit more sedative, a little bit more couch locking. Whereas people will describe certain kinds of nano emulsified or fast onset products as not just being like I said faster onset, but a different, a lighter experience where they feel more social. Uh, it's almost described as a smoker's high in an edible. So I'm sure that has to do with what we were talking about before um, with how it's metabolized, at what rate it's metabolized, what the metabolites are, uh, which metabolites are and over time active at those receptors. But we do universally hear that it's uh, a different experience and almost a different use occasion with a lot of these fast onset products. Yeah, Jesse, to, to add to that, I think is also an interesting topic that emotions are made differently. Right, they're all called emotion or nano emotions, but different companies, even with the same company, different skews may potentially generate different kind of effect. Uh, we are getting into this area this year, and we realized that two of our main beverage formulas, especially at high scale, uh, high potency level, they tend to offer a slightly different experience uh, because their droplet size are different. Their the carry oil, the emulsifier and other ingredients within the emotion are different. So, you know, we start to put those thoughts together and to evaluate a emotion system, we are getting into a kind of a spider web concept. You know, you have your sensory, the flavors, you have your stability, right? You have your manufacturability and you have your effect. So when you combine, when you put those four features onto a paper and when you evaluate from Formula 1 to Formula 2, Formula 3, what are they located on each feature? You can you can draw a spider web. And we start to realize when you adjust one single ingredient within the emotion, like carry oil type, amount, emulsifier amount, right, droplet size, th- those things will change. The experience, the sensory will change, and uh, the, the manufacturability will definitely change. So um, it is a very interesting concept that we're entering into. And uh, I hope this using the spider web concept can help company like Vertosa to be have a deeper understanding of you know, how innovation will change our the, the way it tasted like and the way it feels like for our ingredients. You know, for folks who aren't 
involved in, in, in on the business side and making and scientists making cannabis formulations. A lot of folks, consumers or, or people who work in sales and marketing within cannabis, they may see these cannabis products. You hear the term nano a lot. You see fast acting a lot. It may be thought of that there's kind of some technology out there, right? That's that's uh, being just broadly applied to achieve these effects. What we're really talking about, right, is a, a massive discipline within within science, right? Like uh, just the world of of excipients, and these are excipients. When I think about technologies, uh, you have uh, if you think about a prescription medication or or pharmaceutical drug, you have your active ingredient. But then you have all these other compounds in there that facilitate uh, the actual absorption and distribution metabolism of that drug that that greatly impacts the efficacy of those medications, right? And so the same thing is happening within cannabis, where it's actually not just one technology, but multiple classifications of technology, and then with a wide range of of different technologies within each of those technologies. I think about things like different types of emulsions. Uh, whether whether requiring high shear or, or homogenization or self-assembling emulsions. I think about uh, liposomes. I think about co-crystallization and co-crystals, then getting into even things not technically changing the molecule a bit when you get into conjugation and different approaches, right, for addressing things like the solubility of the drug. The And then really what we're talking about is the time to onset and bioavailability, some of the pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics of, of these products. So it's a range of, a wide range of products, a multiple, a large scientific discipline. And so I think companies like Bertosa and companies like Cureleaf were, were exploring the use of a lot of these different techniques and technologies and trying to improve the properties you just mentioned. And sometimes to your point, there's a trade-off, right? Like we're trying to reduce the onset time for some of these products. We're trying to make cannabinoids, which are not water soluble, stable in different types of water-based formulations. We're trying to improve the bioavailability, bring different experiences to the consumer, which may speak to different use occasions. And so there's a lot of different different things that we can do with these technologies. And it's not one size fits all. It's really a tool chest. So uh, depending on the type of experience that you're trying to bring out for the consumer experience with the product, depending on the type of a formulation, be it a confection, a tincture, a beverage, other properties of the formulation, there might be very different technologies that you might deploy to achieve these things, right? Exactly. It reminds me of a metaphor uh, I had in my ha- head. Okay, so if we start with alcohol, alcohol's main ingredient is ethanol, which is water-soluble. So you don't need many tricks to put ethanol into a beverage, right? It dissolves by itself. Well, cannabinoid doesn't dissolve in water. So essentially, Vertosa, a company like Vertosa, we are building a bus, a vehicle, right? The bus is holding the passenger, who is the THC and CBD. We need to know, okay, how to design the bus. And then when the bus deliver the passengers into the body, where does the bus get decomposed, right? Where does the passenger get off the bus? How quickly they get out of the bus. And after the bus unload the passenger, where the bus will go, right? Which is the safety concern, toxicology. And then the efficacy of and the, the, how effective the bus unloading the passengers into the mixed micelle. And then after the bus is after bus unload the passengers, the job of our uh, delivery company is done, right? We, we, we ensure the passengers delivered in a high uh, 
efficacy and high um, quick onset fashion. Um, but after that, our job is done. The uh, the cannabinoids are in absorbed into the small intestines, and then part of it may go to liver, part of it may go to the lymphatic system and go to the blood, and um, then it is actually it's actually the time for the cannabinoid itself to play the magic into our body. So essentially, <laughs> it's a fun metaphor that we are bus builders and we're delivering passenger as a THC with it, within the bus. Right. So we talk about the, we'll call it the pharmacology of cannabinoids, right? Like we'll talk about, uh, we talk about things like the experience the consumer has, the time to onset, and, and why does the consumer have that experience, right? Why is that consumer, that experience different? And there's individual factors, right? But there's also uh, different metabolites formed depending on different influences that can impact the experience. We talk about the bioavailability, the time to onset, um, the distribution of those cannabinoids throughout the system. We know that the endocannabinoid system is spread throughout the human body. So we're really talking about another big discipline uh, within science and explaining these things is, is pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics. And these are some of the things we look at to understand why these formulations are having the impact they're having uh, and the way that we're measuring these cannabinoids to best understand some of the properties we're we're talking about. Can you, can you explain to our consumers what pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics is as a scientific discipline and how it's applied here to try to understand this better? All right, Jesse, I will, I will try my best. This is a big, uh, big question. I think essentially uh, consumers are paying for the cannabis product for that, for the effect, right? Um, and the effect is measured by the combination of PK and PD. Um, the PK is pharmacokinetics. It defines as um, how our body absorb a drug, right? So the way to measure it is you uh, get the testers and then you let the tester, uh, you, you draw the blood and then you let the tester take the medication. And over time, you draw the blood and analyze the medication's concentration in the blood over time, right? So that you can plot that. How does your body absorb this drug? And that is correlated, but not 100% de um, deciding the PD, which is the pharmacodynamic, which is defined by how does the drug, what does the drug do to your body? It's a, it's a broad concept, but in my view, it can be, I think it can be categorized into three categories. One side of the PD is the medical benefit, therapeutic effect, like the claims our, some of the brands want to make, like help you sleep, remove the pain, you know, help with the migraine. Those are all, you know, medical effect. Secondarily is the um, recreational effect. We measure this by the, the time of onset, uh, the ramp profile, uh, the peak, and the duration of the peak, right? So uh, this is the recreational side. And then also there is a side called impairment because when you are elevated, the judgment, uh, the eye-hand coordination, the memories, uh, the time concept may change. So when you combine medical effect, recreational effect, and impairment, I think that's a overall um, you know, summary of the uh, PD work. One of the interesting things about cannabis is despite uh, such a lengthy historical use of cannabis, I think it's only in, in recent years, five, 10 years, that we're seeing so much 
science and new studies being done to really understand this. And the, the truth is on the development side, when they say what the tip of the sphere, so much more to learn and be uncovered when it comes to not just the recreational potential and best use and, and really optimizing those experiences and formulations, mm -hmm. but the therapeutic use of cannabis. And, and part of it, of course, is the cannabis itself and the plethora of bioactive compounds within cannabis. But the other half of it is, is the work we're talking about, which is the formulation side and how do we best formulate and deliver these products to, to achieve the type of experience or as we're describing it, the, the PK and PD to the consumers. Uh, a lot of people think about some of these formulations just as a, as a straightforward formulation, kind of the, 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 the Coca-Cola formulation of, of a brand out there, but there are some stark contrasts now. <laughs> Oh, yeah. it's, it's funny. You, you might use that Coca-Cola syrup recipe, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's intriguing to, to compare Coca-Cola on one side and cannabis emotion on the other side. You know, I, I don't work for Coca-Cola. I have you no know, rights to say about their formula. But, you know, through uh, my years of uh, working in the food industry, from my lens, Coca-Cola, their main focus is to deliver consistent flavor, the perfect flavor for Coke in any continent, a large scale, right? And also they do this in the fashion that protect their tree secret. So, so when you combine all this, it's a very complex engineering going on in, inside Coca-Cola. Uh, but, you know, when you talk about Coca-Cola, you know, they, they, they pay a great attention on sensory. So, you know, that's their study on which emulsifier, uh, what pH, what sugar level, you know, what carbonation, uh, what DO level, is required, so that's a lot of tons of study there. But also, they have to make make sure the drink is stable, the stability. Um, the term scalping, which is the active compound attached to the can liner, come from the flavor industry, come from beverages. Where Coca Cola may have seen this issue before, their flavor may scalping to uh, the can liners, so they lose the sensory in a drink. So they have to deal with that too. Manufacturability. Uh, this is where, in a huge scale, how do you produce that in every country in a in the product is the same quality, um, you know. And sensory stability, manufacturability, I think, can be are the key factors that we focus on in the cannabis emotion. Also, right for stability, for example, we Vertosa at least we spend a lot of time studying uh, ingredient compatibility with our emotion, studying. Uh, Summer processing stability, studying stability in the product in terms of canliner stability and oxidation, right? We have tons of experience and data there. Manufacturability is also interesting. And I think the nuance for us is we cannot centralize our manufacturing um, location because we cannot ship across states. So for us, we have to, the way we power other states is we customized customer designed our emulsification machine and put into the Pelican cases and we ship them to partners facility. And our technician will go there with our inactive ingredients to ensure the emulsion we produced in other states delivers the same sensory and effect um, within California, right? So that's how we help our clients do their expansion. And <laughs> sensory for cannabis emulsion is also very interesting. Um, my personal view here is, you know, sensory is always a combination of science and arts. And the art part is where the interesting uh, part comes from. You know, the 
human experience, uh, the genetic difference of taste, and it's very subjective. Um, but you know, it, we have you know sensory stability and manufacturability similar as Coca Cola. But I think what is what is the unique about cannabis emotion is the effect, because Coke doesn't need to make you feel differently, right? But we do, we do, and that is what, why consumer pay uh, pay us f- for the product. And then go. This is all going back to the topic we have discussed: the PKPD onset consistency and the peak and the liver metabolism. So the onset part, uh, you know, the effect part is what excites me as a, as a scientist coming into the uh, emotion, uh, cannabis emotion compared to a flavor emotion. And I, I think we're just tipping our toes now into evaluating the effect. And I have seen companies in the PD side really doing a fantastic job, like using more tools like EEG or institutions has been starting to looking into the impairment studies on these, those products. Because now we focus on the onset, the enjoyable, the experience, but then when this whole category get into the mainstream, eventually people are going to ask, what is the suggestions, safety suggestions to consumers, right? How do they evaluate the safety based on the impairment? So I think, you know, a lot of stu- stu- stuff on the effect side excites me. Yeah, absolutely. Same with me. And I, I think why I think we all are so excited about cannabis beverages is they just offer an immense opportunity, right? I think I uh, enjoy the occasional beer or cocktail, uh, but as someone with a background in toxicology, uh, it's no secret that alcohol is, is not healthy, right? I mean, almost no amount of alcohol is healthy as further studies come out. And I think that... Um, you know, uh, the nice thing about cannabis, of course, is that you don't have nearly the level of, of, of organ systems toxicology. Uh, it's not going to give you the hangover. You can do it without the calories. So I think uh, the world of cannabis beverages is, uh, as, is just getting started. It's highly exciting. Um, and hopefully um, we can ultimately, through the work that companies like Bartosa are doing, continue to drive different experiences to consumers that they're seeking without the negative health consequences that are associated with alcohol, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you compare alcohol to cannabis beverage, you mentioned the the safety side, right? Um, You know, the chronic consumption uh, will cause different bodies to react differently to alcohol and cannabis beverage. But also the, when you put alcohol and cannabis beverage side by side, you can also see their difference that the main difference is ethanol versus THC. One is water soluble, one is not water soluble. And the, our bodies uh, uh, to absorb, distribute, metabolize, and excrete ethanol, uh, alcohol are different from the ADME process of THC. And if you if we start looking at that, we start to realize maybe something we can borrow from the things we learn from alcohol to cannabis beverage, but something we can't, right? Because they are fundamentally different. The rate of, of our body to absorb it, alcohol, is based on zero order kinetics, meaning the more you drink, the faster you drink, the faster you absorb, right? But the elimination of alcohol is based on first order uh, kinetics, which means the e- elimination rate of alcohol is constant. Doesn't matter how much you drink, how fast you drink. You see, so, and I, I would love to, have those data on cannabis beverage also. I would love to see 
uh, on the PK side, if you drink 10 milligram and if you drink 100 milligram in the same time, what are the differences between absorption and elimination? And I see a lot of companies start to uh, put resource onto the PK side, and I really applaud them. And we have we have been starting doing that too. And you know, but we I don't think we have all the data like we had for alcohol in the cannabis beverage form factor. Um, people may have PK data on the smoking, on the um, you know other administration, but I would love to see more efforts focusing on cannabis beverage form factor compared to alcohol side by side on PK PK side. Uh, and we are working with some groups from universities who is who are doing those studies now, uh, but it will take time for the overall data to come educate us. Yeah, I completely agree. I think uh, it's complex. There's a lot of work to be done, but there's a stark deficiency of uh, PK data in the cannabis side. I know I've been involved in a number of studies in my lifetime in cannabis, uh, uh, looking at PK in, in different form factors, like orally consumed versus versus smoking versus things like topically applied. But we start to factor in different types of technologies and cannabinoid formulations. There's just a lot of gaps in our understanding of the, the PK of cannabis today still. Um, and to this, the other part of that you mentioned before, you know, taste. What was interesting in our work with uh, emulsions early on is that you know, we first started making these great small nano emulsions with cannabis and then putting it into, let's just say, a simple format like a tincture uh, or a simple beverage enhancer. Uh, how incredibly bitter tasting uh, these formulations were. And so then you remove the cannabis. We say, oh, it must be these ingredients we're adding, right? These ingredients must be so bitter. But you remove the cannabis and you still include the rest of the ingredients and, and the bitterness goes away. So what you learn is that cannabinoids themselves are just incredibly bitter. I guess my way of explaining it, I'd love your way of explaining it, is that I believe can, cannabinoids are some of the most bitter compounds there are. And when you take it in a simple oil-based tincture, for example, or a brownie, because they're so fat-soluble, not water-soluble, they're really not uh, absorbing into that through that uh, that that aqueous or water-based layer in your oral mucosal, your mouth, your tongue. So you're really not penetrating and tasting those cannabinoids. Now you make an animal emulsion, right? And suddenly they're absorbing, you're tasting these cannabinoids, truly tasting them. They're they're fiercely bitter. You know, alongside of the development of these emulsions has been the explosion of uh, the great masking technologies and bitter blockers to deal with the fact that natural cannabinoids are highly bitter. I don't know if you can add any insight there, but uh, that's been an interesting discovery along the way. Yes, exactly. exactly. And we say emulsion is a booster, right? It boosts the bioavailability. It also may boost the flavor impact for the actives. And maybe not only cannabinoids, but if you produce a fish oil compared to a bulk fish oil of the emotion, fish oil emotion and terpene emotion, and similar to any other natural derived or agriculture extracts, I think emotion will be helping emphasize that bitterness, right? So it's always a balance for us uh, as an emotion provider, focus on the science to find that balance between the flavor experience, stability, and manufacturability. So this comes back to the concept of that spider web again, right? So if you only focus on sensory and you want to get the best tasting product, you may, you may need to understand the stability or experience may be sacrificed a little bit, right? 
But if you focus on the experience, the quick onset, smaller droplets, you have to understand that may come with a bitter flavor. So understanding this balancing between the, the different parameters, I think is going to help our industry overall for the brands to understand, okay, maybe a little bitter is what we want our consumer to taste like. And this, and we focus on experience and some for some other brands, maybe they say flavor is my first priority and I want to do everything I can to make sure it's tasteless. And, but also, interestingly, I see a, a trend here uh, in California that we are trying to make 100 milligram taste tasteless, meaning no weedy flavor, no bitter, uh, no linger. Um, well, uh, well, again, this is subjective, right? But the goal is to push to there. And I think we are creating technologies now to get us there. And we're close there. Uh, well, it's another argument. How will the society and consumer perceive those products on safety and efficacy? But getting flavor right is one of our main focus right now. Yeah, I have interesting, I have mixed feelings, mixed perspective on that. On one hand, that's absolutely been something we've spent a lot of time resource on as well. People want great tasting canvas beverages, great tasting confections. And I look at the technologies deployed, uh, I think that these products uh, taste incredible today. Thinking about where these emulsions started and how fiercely bitter they were and what they taste like in formulation now is almost indistinctible. That being said, you don't take a, a shot of whiskey, for example, without the burn, right? <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I think a couple of things. A, it tells children or, or you know someone who maybe shouldn't be getting into that bottle that something's wrong here, proceed with caution, right? And number two, for those of us uh, who are a little bit more seasoned with the product, you know, you almost grow to anticipate the flavor of that's what whiskey should taste like. Like uh, you probably wouldn't at this point, uh, using whiskey as the example for a, a whiskey fan, wouldn't appreciate a glass of whiskey if it didn't have that that burn of the ethanol, right? Like that flavor right. of the ethanol. And so uh, to me, you know, yes, we want great tasting confections and beverages and we've come a long way. I, I don't know, maybe it's me, but I feel like it's something lost in having like a little bit of that, a little bit of, of that cannabis in there, taste in there just to know, hey, this yeah. is medicated, this is cannabis. And and number two, do you, will, you, will you grow an appreciation for, I'm consuming this, not, if, if I just want a great tasting gummy, you know, I'll, I'll go to the, the grocery store and buy, bag a, buy a bag for, for two bucks. Uh, I'm buying the cannabis gummies. Yeah, I sure I want it to taste good, but I'm, I want an experience, right? Like right. the flavor lasts a minute with you. or less. The experience can last for hours. It's about the experience. So to me, if I was building a product personally for myself, I, I want a little bit, maybe not overwhelming, not too bitter, but a little bit to let mm -hmm. me know this is a cannabis product, A, to appreciate what I'm consuming, the experience I'm going to get, uh, and also as a warning for those who may not uh, – know what type of confection obviously these should always be stored properly but uh, a little bit of warning if someone gets into a bag they don't know what it is that this is not just a, a regular confection or a regular beverage yes jesse i'm with you on the personal side i'm with you right um i think a, a dot beverage should taste like a dot like right it shouldn't be tasting like a, a pure juice exactly <laughs> <laughs> you know i you know i won't be holding a, a glass of juice beside the pool and talking to my friends <laughs> i want to sip on something special right <laughs> interesting well so but I, I i do feel um the good tasting products right now have a market too for legacy users or high dose consumers or uh, medical patients 
they part of them they may want their pro- high dose product to taste better, good, so they can consume it uh, on a regular doses. But I agree with you. The flavor side, right now, given uh, where we are now, I think making the taste good to introduce to new consumers to get them acceptable to this category is important. When the categories continue to grow, I'm sure new innovation, new market demand will come up. And instead of the bitter, I really don't like the bitter from emulsifier, right? That is kind of off-putting. But some of the bitter, natural bitters or natural um, uh, cannabis flavors, terpene flavors, just naturally coming out into the drink, I think that would be fantastic. Um, and it, you know, frankly, I don't like the burn of the alcohol shots, tequila shots. I don't, I don't really enjoy it, but a milder cocktail, right? A milder flavor. I can sip on it. You know, it's, that's perfect for me. So I really look forward to, for some brands to take on really emphasizing and highlighting the cannabis flavor into cannabis beverage. Yeah. Agreed. Well positioned. So just a quick question, like if you put your, uh, your your speculation or your future leaning hat on, what are the, some of the opportunities that we'll call it the cannabis excipient technologies, uh, these cannabis formulation uh, technologies, like what are, what are some of the, where do you see the future going here? Do you see any opportunity in the future, things that aren't feasible now or things that may be feasible where five years from now, uh, what type of, uh, what type of things you think are possible? Yeah. I do see a how to balancing innovation versus regulation. I think that's an interesting topic that come to me quite recently. You know, we always innovate. This whole conversation today with you, Jesse, we talk about how to improve PK, how to improve flavors, but then it's the word of improvement, meaning you're changing something, right? So then you come back to, okay, we're producing a food recipe. Right? How frequent can we change a successful food recipe? Well, you can launch new SKUs, but if consumer love your flavor and effect, you know, how willing are you as a brand to change the recipe? Um, and secondarily um, is the, the impairment, right? When you change anything, you know, how will the consumer remember the, the prior experience? If the experience change, how would they receive that? And so this part is, you know, working in Canada as Vertosa, we have learned a lot that Health Canada is really restricting the way we can innovate. <laughs> putting this is putting into uh, sounds like a, a, a bad way, but I think it's their way to protect their consumer. Uh, for example, it's very hard to perform sensory and experience study in uh, licensed Canadian uh, facilities. You have to have a research license. And then it's very hard to also improving or upgrading the emotion formulas for the cannabis beverage. You have to redo the stability study and for thousands of dollars. So, but in this way, actually, so that what happens to us is we are still producing the emotion that we, uh, we were using four years ago, three years ago. And for sure, we have, have better formulas now compared to three years ago, but it's very hard for us to change those formulas. But the benefit of that is, you know, after the three, four years that the Canadian consumer, when they pick up that can of, of their loved brand, um, the flavor, the effect should be consistent because it's the same formula. We never change it. 
like in the States, when we have a innovation from Bertosa Lab, you know, we want to test the, the, beta, the beta version with our clients so we can keep innovating. But in Canada, when the federal legalized status, you know, it seems a little resistance for innovation. So I started to think, when does when will we see the, those kind of dynamic happening in the States? When either FDA or TTB or any organization come in to regulate the whole overall industry, how will the innovation start to uh, start to have a different speed and meet the regulation in the middle, right? To ensure we have a consistent, you know, culture around cannabis beverage. So those are the topics that really interest me in recently. I, I still don't have the answer yet. Yeah, great point. I think, uh, look, the, the pace of innovation uh, to the consumer, at least in U.S. cannabis, is, is very, very fast, unsustainably fast. Now, I love behind the scenes, the fast pace of, of innovation and research in the R&D environment, right? We should be exploring mm -hmm. as many different technologies and sciences and approaches applicable to cannabis as we can and as resource allows. But the, the pace that new technologies get commercialized to the consumer is incredible in the U.S. It's, it's, it's hard to keep up with and you have to be constantly innovation, innovating in U.S. cannabis today to be competitive. And there's some good things with that, right? Like if you look at where cannabis products were in the U.S., product choice, product performance, you know, skew differentiation five years ago versus today, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're right, allowing for that consistency and kind of the standardization of product to really occur and to sink in is hard when uh, the new and improved version of a formulation is launched every three to six months. And, and then a right. year later, it's an entirely different category emerging. So uh, yeah. the pace of innovation to consumers is fast, maybe too fast to consumers in the U.S., but um, some great food for thought. Yeah. Final question. I love to ask folks. And uh, is there a, a favorite product, Harold? Do you have a favorite product out there? And uh, it could be just the favorite of the week, the month uh, in general. But it, do you have a, is there a favorite product that you have out there? A favorite product. Um, interesting. What I, if the favorite product is I, I drink our emotion into my cup of tea or, ah. or water or, you know, it's, it's a raw emotion. So if I go out with a friend to a dinner party or to the restaurants right now, I don't order cocktails because one, for one, I'm reducing my alcohol consumption. But for two, I bring a, um, a emotion, a formula. Uh, the emotion could be a whole spectrum or a rosin emotion. And you put into the light sparkling water. And that's the perfect drink for the night. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I hope more people have the opportunity to experience that experience. Um, so, yeah, bring that's some all. emotions. That's awesome. I've, I've also made some custom emulsions in my time. And uh, I remember one Christmas, uh, I gave everybody uh, a bottle of tequila, uh, maybe not the smartest of ideas, but uh, with a little vial of emulsion on the side. And by mm -hmm. adding the emulsion to the bottle, Every shot was not only your standard shot, but five milligrams of THC. Obviously, practice with great moderation and care, but to the friends I gave it up to, it was, it was quite the hit. So I'm a big yeah. fan of those, those custom <laughs> things yeah. you can and, do with the emulsion. So a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, one time I got a similar emotion to the party, and uh, my friend said, hey, Harold, you seems like you come from the future. You can't you come show us what the future parties will look like. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, but I would say my standard best product right now changes frequently, but we uh, 
there's a product that Kirley's had for a couple of years called Squeeze uh, under uh, the Select brand, and uh, it's a beverage enhancer. The new version of it just launched in Illinois, uh, zero proof beverage enhancer coming everywhere and very subtle flavor. Uh, you can add it into almost every beverage from sparkling water to, uh, you know, a Diet Coke, whatever you want to add it to. Adds just a very slight hint of flavor, uh, but uh, infuses it with uh, that very fast onset uh, nano emulsified cannabis. And it's great uh, to be out in social environments or out at a dinner with 10, 12 people and to see the bottle squeeze passed around and everyone infuses their sparkling water and suddenly yeah. everyone's having a, a, a great dinner and you can still have a cocktail if you want, but it's nice mm -hmm. to have that alternative too. maybe you have that uh, 7 a.m. meeting in the morning and uh, you still want to have a nice buzz, but you don't want to sacrifice uh, your night's sleep or wake up with a hangover. What a great alternative. Uh, so uh, a lot to look forward to uh, in the realm of, of, of cannabis products and cannabis formulations. And with that, Harold, fun conversation. Thank you so much for your time. I can't wait to see what Vertosa does next. And I uh, uh, just love having a more great scientist contributing to the industry. So thank you. Thank you, Jesse, for inviting me. And to, to add to that, you know, when I was, if I, if you being seen in the restaurants doing the infusion, uh, please, uh, and if the, the other party is interested, please stop and educate them, right? And to go ahead and educate them and to say, okay, this is the can liquid cannabis you can put into the beverage. And by building the critical math to the people, consumers who understand, who know the product, who heard the product, is going to help the whole industry pushing forward. Right. Great final words. Thank you, Harold. And uh, thank you, folks. And uh, again, anyone has any questions, uh, real expertise on the, the space of cannabis emulsion. So thank you. And uh, until next time, take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to Cannabis Unraveled. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on Cannabis Unraveled, head on over to our Instagram, at cannabis.unraveled.